Our community at Hock Finance is over 30,000 strong of people on just the Telegram. I believe just English itself, not all the other uh, multi-language channels we have. And people love this token, what we're going to do with it. Because what we're trying to do is bring what we call meme utility. Meme utility didn't really exist when these meme tokens came out. They were started as jokes. They were started as, you know, some of them were pump and dumps, scams. Some of them were trying to bring utility to what you could do with your currency. And that's the thing with these meme tokens and these brands is unless you can really do something with them or there is no plans to do something with them, then the project can very easily fail. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Mark Bassa from Hawk Finance. And today we're having our conversation centered around cryptocurrency and a few topics in the cryptocurrency space. We talk about how to avoid crypto scams, what's out there in the space today, and a few other things centered around that. We talk about the metaverse a little bit and many other topics in there. We don't talk about cryptocurrency on the show that much. And, and I certainly count myself as a, a skeptic of cryptocurrency. And, and in the conversation today, we talk about some of the risks around fiat currency and central banking and, and where we stand today with the huge levels of debt and the amount of money that's been printed and really what that's done to fiat currency and, and what may be coming in the future. Now, none of us has a crystal ball that we can predict the future, but that is part of the conversation today. Uh, just to, you know, for, for myself, I do have a little bit of cryptocurrency, but really it's it's not that much. And it's just to get exposure to the space and, and understand what's going on. And and if this is the the future of technology and, and where things are happening, I'd certainly like to know what's going to happen or, or have an informed opinion about what's you know what could come down the road. I, I don't know. I think there are a lot of people who are more knowledgeable, smarter than me, know more about technology that are in this space. And heck, they may have a better roadmap than I do. So I want to understand what their thoughts are and try to form my own, own opinions about what could happen down the road. So we may have more conversations with crypto folks in the future. Don't worry. This is not under any circumstances going to become a cryptocurrency podcast. This is still a real estate investing podcast, but we need, I think we need to have informed opinions about these things um, to, you know, to know what we think about it, right? We need to understand what's going on around us to form, shape our opinion. I'm your host, Taylor Vote. I'm a real estate investor, and I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate, specifically apartments and self-storage properties. If you're interested in learning more about what we do and potentially investing with us on a future deal, go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and take the steps there. Once again, investwithtaylor.com. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Five stars if you don't mind, guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always on, honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. That helps us grow and that helps the people you know grow. If you're getting something valuable from this show, then spread the love. Help someone else come in and get their money out of Wall Street if that's what they want to do. No matter what podcast app you use, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. 
That's when we're here. That's when we're doing it. And we look forward to seeing you three times a week. Once again, our guest today is Mark Bassa. We're having a conversation around cryptocurrency, a few different topics in cryptocurrency, avoiding scams, getting into, we talk a little bit about meme coins. We talk a little bit about the metaverse and a good bit more around the crypto space, what the energy usage uh, conversation is and why that may be a little misinformed or off the mark. So much more. So really interesting conversation with Mark. Without any further ado, here we go. Mark, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Caleb. Great to be here. Hey, it's been a great conversation so far. Been about a half an hour, great chat. And I'm sure we're going to have a great conversation for our listeners today. For folks out there who don't know about you and uh, what you do, can you tell us about your background and what you're up to? Sure. So my name is Mark Basser. I'm the global brand and business manager at a meme token called Hawk Finance. And uh, I predominantly was brought on board to change this uh, this cryptocurrency from a, a volunteer project into a, into a real uh, decentralized finance company. So my background in crypto is predominantly in crypto brands, crypto marketing, but I first got involved around 2010, 2011 in Bitcoin, where some buddies and I got together, had some crazy ideas to build a omni-currency payment gateway where you could spend Bitcoin, fiat, and loyalty points in a single transaction. So going back over a decade, that was pretty crazy back then. And mm -hmm. all the investors back then thought also we were crazy and Bitcoin was going nowhere. And that was kind of my entry point. Uh, come 2016, 2017, I started investing in tokens. I've advised a few uh, early stage crypto companies. I've got crypto projects myself that I'm working on as a hobby just because I love the space. You can consider me an evangelist of crypto. Uh, as I said before, I think it's like uh, blockchain and crypto is like the cure and the disease to centralized banking and the financial industry as we know it. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. And um, yeah, that's that's basically me. Nice. I, you know, the way I see you mentioned central banking, the kind of the way I see it is that they're going to, we're, they're stuck in a trap right now and, and they're going to continue doing what they have been doing until it doesn't work anymore and something's going to change. And I don't know really whether that'll be positive or negative for cryptocurrencies, but I think it'll be bad for, you know, paper fiat money. 100% agree. So this is how I, I see it happening is that the more money that's put into the blockchain is less money that is owned by centralized banking. When you have your cryptocurrency, that's money that you own on an open network, for example. There are nodes set up all over the world that host a network. And if I send you money, there's no sort of like middleman. There's no third party that's that's uh, really involved in that. When you own a US dollar, it still goes through US dollar or fiat you know, centralized banking systems. The scary part about this is, is that crypto has taken you know, some time to get this far, especially with Bitcoin accelerating uh, 2017 or so. What you have to grasp about this is that the next phase of acceleration, five and 10 years is going to happen much, much quicker, meaning more adoption. That means that eventually there's going to be this point, this tipping point where central banks are going to say, well, there's X amount of money now in blockchain, which is why, like, you know, we don't have this money anymore. It's out of our control. What are they going to do? Are they just going to, you know, put interest rates up? They're going to just add more taxes. What are they possibly going to do? Because if they start on any other model, I think you might find them very similar to something like Venezuela or other, you know, other countries in, uh, in a continent like Africa, where it's like a million dollars to buy a loaf of bread. You can't have that in Western nations. It will collapse so fast. So the whole thing about the crypto thing is, I'm in it now for the long run, and I know there's going to be some ups and downs. I've 
the volatility will exist until the adoption takes place. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. You're, you're right when you talk about the banks not knowing what is going to happen, or maybe they do know, and maybe they've got some plan. They are trying to launch some stable coins, some, some centralized currencies. But if you read their white papers, these currencies can be turned on and off. They have control over that currency. So they're not really decentralized. They're crypto by nature. Maybe they're on the blockchain, but they have control over that almost like they do right now with your bank. If you maybe in the future uh, don't abide by their policies for the way you act in certain ways, maybe they'll just switch off your bank account. But the cryptocurrency stops that from happening. I would say, well, blockchain stops that from happening. And the decentralization. I think that is... So there's this talk of central bank digital currencies potentially coming down the road. And and one of the things that people don't really talk about is, to my understanding, with Bitcoin, especially since it's not a privacy coin, you can basically track any transaction to see which wallet it went through. Now you have to know the owners of those wallets for any of that information to really have any relevance. But if we were talking about a hypothetical central bank and digital currency, if they wanted to track who's doing business with whom, hey, we find we found this, you know, drug lord smuggler that had was doing yep. all these transactions. Now we know everybody he was doing business with in the central bank digital currency. Yeah, yeah. So the whole thing with privacy, like I'm, I'm an advocate, an advocate for privacy. I think people should own their data, and I don't think it should be exploited and sold to third parties. When you opt in. To something like a, a big tech company, there is a privacy policy, and you know most of us don't read it. When it comes to Bitcoin and the government and and these uh, centralized coins, I mean, yes, like there is a benefit to having some sort of governmental control to stop the bad guys. It's more when the bad guys are a part of the government too, <laughs> and then you're like, and then you're like, oh well, we've just given away all our power to somebody is also a bad guy. Because, I mean, the government's made up of people and, and people are good and bad. It's not that the government is good because it's the government. So I would say there's also that thing about scammers in crypto. I mean, there's scammers in every industry, whether it's real estate or, you know, a, a car dealer, a dodgy car mm-hmm. salesman, they're, they're, they're everywhere. Right now, the, the big spotlight is being put on crypto, I believe, because it's new and it's exciting. And these things... Uh, you could say sexy in the media to talk about because they're controversial. Whereas if a, if a, a car dealer rips off an old lady, it's not really going to make headlines. But if that car dealer had a token and then launched that token, that lady bought it and then she got <laughs> ripped off and she couldn't use her car anymore because of this crypto she bought into, that would make news. Yeah, well, that is one of the things I wanted to discuss with you today was, you know, the fact of the matter is there are scams out there in, in any industry. And I'll openly admit that doesn't matter what industry you're in, they're out there. And, and, Crypto scams do get clicks these days for, for better or for worse. They do, and, and people are interested in it. And wanted to you know dig into those and, and talk about some uh, underlying themes amongst these scams or, or really ways in which people can protect themselves and, and like understand if they're looking at a, a potential crypto investment, really see you know what are the odds that this is a scam? Because we have seen a few, and, and it seems to me there are some underlying themes uh, behind that. Yeah, great question. Spotting a scam, you know, it's if it's too good to be true, it probably is. I would say that whenever you're going to throw your money into any project, if it if it sounds really really good and really promising, you know, invest what you can afford to lose. Spotting a scammer is hard if you're technically savvy. 
and you know how to read blockchain wallet addresses. You can do that on some of these projects where you can track the wallet transactions and where they've been. And you can do this thing called tokenomics, okay? So tokenomics is, is basically, if you imagine shareholders and stock, if uh, Bank of America was uh, 25% owned by, I don't know, Walmart, you know, you could see that information somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with crypto. When you're investing into a project or a crypto company, you can see their tokenomics. And that's basically all the different holdings of all the different owners. So maybe when they launch, they do this thing where they say 5% of our wallets or 5% of all tokens is going to advisors and 2% is going to the team. If you see something where it's like 40% goes to the team, I'd be like, "Mm," because what that really means is that that opens you up to what's called a rug pull. Okay. Mm. It's literally pulling the rug from under your feet. So these projects that come up in the paper, you know, you see that the team had 50% of all the tokens. Now, if I dump all my money in to this project and all the liquidities there, and they've got a million bucks, well, I can just convert those tokens in an instant on any Web3 wallet, and you'll never find me again. So look out for, if there's no teams, and again, it's not to say that if they don't have a team, <laughs> it's funny, if they don't have a team, it doesn't mean that they're scams. Because I've invested in stuff and I there's no teams and I've done really well. How do I tell that they're real? Well, I haven't lost my money yet and they've been around for a while, okay? But there are some projects that just, it just stinks. And I think I think one of the things you can look at is this is the rise of Shiba Inu. You know, that coin has done, I don't know, 5 million percent or something. And if you had invested $100 back in the day, I think it was January last year, or, or, or is the, it was May the year before, you would have like uh, $700 million today. Something, something ridiculous like that because of the popularity. Mm-hmm. No one knows who those people are, but I'm sure that Coinbase, uh, who's listed them and others, these centralized exchanges have done their due diligence on who these people are. I hope. So use your intuition, use Google, use YouTube, just research like mad, ask the right questions. Most of the crypto companies that are on, online today, they're pretty good at social. They use Telegram and Reddit and ask all the right questions like, who are you guys? Where are you from? Where are you based? Who owns how much of the token supply? And that's what how I would look out for before throwing any money into something. Mm, yeah. So, you know, when people talk about you know, these coins that have had huge runs, you know, there are definitely people who got in on some of these and, and did really well and you see them them you know being excited but one of the things i prefer about real estate investing is how much more predictable our business model is largely because we have control if we're buying a property and we see that hey rents appear to be three hundred dollars under market we can do these things and we believe we can either hit that three hundred dollars or be just under it at you know 200 250 and yeah it's, that's not going to produce a five million percent return but that does produce a, a healthy return and it's predictable and we have control and I think that's one of my big concerns about these crypto projects in general, because there are so many out there that say, you know, they they make kind of wild predictions about their own potential future performance. But we can look back and see these things that did have a huge run up. But the people that were buying it at the time, if we're being honest, had no ability to predict that it was going to do the way it did. They hoped that, but they couldn't really see it coming. No. Real estate is a far more safer bet than most things in crypto. Long-term, five, 10 years, I would say the safer bets in crypto are are Bitcoin and Ethereum because of what's happening with the world and currency. Then you can really make some 
uh, some great gains. So, but I would say it's more of a five, 10 year plan. The, the more riskier stuff is in the you know, high risk, high return. It's these, it's these coins and tokens that don't really have too much until they have it. So what I, what I predominantly found in my career was that I, I came from more of, more of a traditional digital marketing background. And there's almost no people like this in crypto, which is why today I would say the most in-demand people are people who have digital marketing and traditional marketing experience, but no crypto. Because in crypto companies, you've got like super smart nerds that don't know how to brand themselves. <laughs> really, they don't know how to brand sure. themselves, but they yeah. could like, they could put a rocket on the moon. So take that into account. Now, if you got, if you found a, a coin where the, the team was amazing and they had built some a crazy technology, but they didn't know how to market it, then all of a sudden a marketing genius came on board and said, hey, Walmart, this company can do this thing with the blockchain and it will make you millions of dollars or save you millions of dollars. Then Walmart does a partnership, the coin explodes. That's what we are looking at right now with cryptocurrency is that it is so volatile because there is so much unknown in the technology and the value and the benefits that you can actually gain from using blockchain. So some of these coins, like take Dogecoin with Elon Musk, you know, mm-hmm. one of the co-founders of PayPal, he's a, he's a, he's an advocate. He really believes that this is better than like everything out there. Now, someone who built PayPal, yeah, you can trust him. Wealthiest man in the world. You know, he went against the oil giants. He started, you know, Tesla and everything else. He's a man you shouldn't really bet against. So when he says that Dogecoin, a joke currency is better, people start to listen. It didn't have much utility before he tweeted about it. Then all of a sudden, it's now getting, it's gaining momentum because people think, hey, there's millions of people on social media that love this token. This, this, this coin. If a big company was to accept it, it means that price would rise. And that's what you have to think about getting into these tokens is that what potential do they have to be used in the current mainstream infrastructure? So that can cut both ways though, right? Yeah. Elon in particular, I believe, I don't watch Saturday Night Live, but I think he said something critical at one point of Dogecoin on Saturday Night Live and the price cratered. I don't know what ended up happening you know, later on beyond that. But if he's, you know, supports it and it runs up, well, he can change his mind at any time. Plus there are potential, you know, we don't know his, what his underlying motivations are. So if he decides, if, if he has Dogecoin, right? And he's, even though he's the richest man in the world, he decides he wants to make a nice return. We're never really going to know what he did until, you know, there's something, some information leaked by a CPA or something like that. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean is, is that, yeah. that kind of meme-ishness, and we could talk about this too, how you, how you, your company kind of embraced the meme thing that has risks both ways, a huge potential upside, but huge potential downside too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing with meme tokens in general. And this is kind of how I started my, my meme token journey. I've, I invested in a bunch of coins and some of them did 20, 30, 40, 50 times what I put in. And I was like, oh my God, like this isn't crazy. And then I looked further into it and I was really understanding the brand. Meme tokens have a level of community support that is unfound almost anywhere else in the world. It's like football hooligans, you know, meme token <laughs> community members. <laughs> you should see some of the chats that we we have on uh, our community at Hawk Finance is over 30,000 strong of people on just the Telegram. I believe just English itself, not all the other uh, multi-language channels we have. And people love this token and what we're going to do with it. Because what we're trying to do is bring what we call meme utility. Meme utility didn't really exist when these meme tokens came out. They were started as jokes. 
they were started as, you know, some of them were pump and dumps, scams. Some of them were trying to bring utility as to what you could do with your currency. And that's the thing with these meme tokens and these brands is unless you can really do something with them or there is no plans to do something with them, then the project can very easily fail. So when I started at Hawk, they had all these plans to do these things. And I came on board and I said, listen, what we should do is build a financial ecosystem where you can send and spend your crypto the way you want through several financial products and services that replicate legacy finance. So everything that you can do today, if you want to buy a pizza, go to the movies, buy an NFT, anything you want to do with fiat currency, US dollar, you should make products and services through Hawk. And people can use your currency to do so. So, so we're starting this whole trend of doing so. Now, the other tokens, some have celebrity endorsement, which is what makes them pump, like, like Dogecoin. Others have, I don't know what made Shiba Inu so possible. I know that the coin, like if you look at the charts, it just skyrocketed. I, I feel like a couple of wallets just pumped in hundreds of thousands of ETH and just made it go wild. But besides that, all the other meme tokens that are around more or less will fail unless they are building the future of finance. We see this popularity specifically coming from young people. They would rather buy meme tokens than invest in real estate or US dollar or anything. <laughs> what, what is it about a meme token that makes it so special? Now, let's say if you have that sort of brand demand, that kind of cult following, and you can use it for good, you can build an ecosystem and young people, this next crypto generation, that mind you may never interact with a central bank in their life from like my son, he's a year and eight months old. He, when he grows up, maybe the only bank he's going to have is his own decentralized web three wallet. Maybe his first transactions will be a meme token. So we're trying to facilitate that for the next five, 10 years for young people and, and more crypto evangelists and, and novices as well. So going into meme tokens and you know, investing in these things, these things can go up, they can go down, they skyrocket, they go left, right, up, down, everything. It's important to think about, you know, what are you in this for? Are you in this for a pump and dump? Do you think this coin's going to explode? Cash out then. Just cash out when, when you've got something and know what you're going to invest in and what your returns, uh, ideal returns are. But if you want to invest in something, you think, okay, the next five, 10 years, this is moving this way. I'll put a bit of money aside and see how it goes. That's also a good option. So I think one of the biggest shifts that I see coming, and I'm certainly not an expert on this stuff, but I know a little bit about Bitcoin and Ethereum in particular, is Ethereum is at least, they've been saying for years, moving to a proof of stake model. And that that is progressing forward. But in theory, I suppose that's supposed to severely reduce the, the energy use, usage, Hopefully, I think bring down transaction fees as a part of that. And, and I wanted, you know, before we kind of move on here, just to kind of touch on that, because I think folks out there who know maybe a little bit about crypto, but maybe more of the headlines may have this model in their minds about crypto being all just giant energy wastage, computers running at 100% and, you know, just just burning off, off all of this power. But it's not really accurate. And I just wanted to touch on that, you know, yep. while we're here, proof of work versus proof of stake. Let's talk about the the whole idea of the energy consumption. Now, there's a lot of bad news about crypto, especially from centralized services, banks, because it's it's competing with them. And every banker that I've known at very high levels are terrified of crypto. They don't know they're going to have a job in five and 10 years. In terms of energy consumption, you have to take, for example, you have hundreds or maybe thousands of computers supporting a network all around the world. 
there's your energy to actually run, you could say, transactions. So every time I want to send you money, if there's lots of people using the network at once, we have to, pay, well, I have to pay a fee. Those fees are pretty high right now because of the demand of Ethereum, as an example. If you think about traditional finance and how much money and infrastructure and people and energy that uses, it's incredible how much bigger it is than crypto that can actually be sent, even if when it's expensive. There's so much more energy being consumed on so many levels. You know, crypto companies like myself and Hawk Finance, we don't have a headquarter office. We, we have registrations. We have headquarters, you can say. But a team of like nearly 100 people, we run on Telegram, on a laptop, and we use the Ethereum, the Binance, and Heco network on, the, on, on Hubie. So we're a pretty agile company. We don't use papers. There's no mail clerk. There's none of that stuff going on. You compare us to some of the bigger or even just smaller banks, there's a lot of energy and consumption that goes into that. So I think that that idea is probably spread from people that don't want <laughs> uh, crypto to take off. In terms of contracts and smart contracts, and, and not to get too deep into, into the technicalities, think of it as unless the job is done on the blockchain, you'll never receive payment. And this is the big thing about, about proving one's transaction or one's work over the network. Let's say you're a freelancer. And right now uh, I might use Upwork, for example. And Upwork holds funds from the client until the freelancer delivers. There's a third party, there's an intermediary that's actually holding that money, earning interest on that money, trading that money, loading that money. With crypto, that doesn't happen. You have the network, you have it decentralized that, that controls that transaction and releases it according to when the work is done. Now that's also good and bad because then Who's going to run disputes on these uh, on these channels? So if you if you want to work, if I have an agreement with you right now and I do some work for you, then it's up to you and me to do something. If it doesn't work, we get a lawyer. So that's the part about having an identity and a team where, where it comes into play. That's also very vital if you're going to run into uh, start doing crypto transactions. So um, I think that in terms of energy and the way it works, if you have an idea about using cryptocurrency, some networks are expensive to use to send money. Some blockchains, you know, do charge uh, quite a hefty fee, uh, even if you're not engaging uh, on any centralized platform. Like, for example, Coinbase takes a fee, but MetaMask, a decentralized Web3 wallet, I, I can send you money, but I've got to pay the Ethereum uh, network, you know, in what's called gas fees. Over time, it's going to get better. It's going to get cheaper. There are other solutions that will come out, but I'm hopeful for the future that, uh, again, I'm, I'm not too worried about the energy cost. I, I don't think that's the biggest problem. I think that the biggest problem is going to come down to identity, privacy, and when there's too much money in blockchain and not enough incentive, like that, <laughs> what's the world going to look like then? I don't know. I don't know, but we will deal with it uh, when it comes. Right now, yeah. we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate 
that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called Ground Floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Mark, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Investing in myself, I would say it was the best investment. And in terms of what I invested in, I would say seeking knowledge, not taking no for an answer and always trying to fight for that thing that I needed to know. So when I was doing, like, I mean, I was a true believer in, in Bitcoin way back then, and I'm glad I was. And I was pitching to investors, very wealthy men. They all thought Bitcoin was a scam. And, um, you know, well, I don't want to say, you know, serves you right, but, you know, a decade <laughs> over, um, later, I was right. But the point is, I think that if, if, you've, got, if you've got intuition, invest in yourself to, to learn more about your intuition and your gut instincts. I think that's the best thing you can do. It'll open, uh, it'll open a lot of doors for you. Nice. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? A worst investment I ever made was probably that thing again, doubting myself. I would say that coming down to intu intuition, you can be caught up in market trends. And when there's a lot of bad news in the market, you want to sell early. And I've sold early and I wish I didn't. And I was sold early on and I've lost money by selling too early instead of holding on. So I would say that was probably the worst in, in, in the investment decision I've ever made. Yeah, getting out to it. You got to be in the HODL gang, as, as they you say. You have to, the HODL gang, long run. Yeah. My favorite question here at the end of the show is, what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? My old mentor, a really successful media agency owner, and a supercar fanatic and everything. He's done just about everything, a real serial entrepreneur. He always said to me, come up with a goal. So if you want to be worth $100 million in five years, what do you need to actually obtain that and work your way back and have a plan and work backwards? And that was a, a really incredible piece of advice because it showed me about paths and strategies that I can help take small projects to, to becoming legitimate projects and being recognized by the press. So have some sort of plan. I think that's the, that's the best thing I've learned is, is strategy is probably the most important thing. You can build a brand, you can hire CMOs, you can hire directors, but if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to go anywhere. Nice. Well, Mark, thank you for joining us today. We haven't had, this is probably the second cryptocurrency conversation I've had on this show in probably 350 episodes by now. So uh, great conversation and I appreciate you joining us. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch, if they want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? Uh, they should go to hock.finance. That's H-O-K-K.finance. That's where, where we, we run our website. This month, we've got three new products coming out, NFTs, a Ethereum aggregator, and a governance token. So uh, keep, uh, keep a watch out for that. Uh, they can reach out on the website. Telegram, all the links are there. Ask Great. for Mark and I'll, uh, I'll be there. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, 
please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that so much, you guys. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping with the Wall Street Casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. As always, if you want to learn more about what I'm up to, just go to investwithtaylor.com, take the steps, and schedule a call with me. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.